Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Wednesday edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am Scott Reynolds from Pewter Report. I'm going to be your host for probably the next couple of minutes. Matt Matera will be joining me. He is stuck in some traffic heading home from the Advent Health Training Center, otherwise known as One Buck in Your Place. But we've got an action-packed show for you today talking about the Bucks and the Packers. This is a great matchup. Boy, when I started covering this team, this Buccaneer team back in 1995, the Bucks and Packers were division rivals in the old NFC North, or I should say Central Division. Uh, what was it called? The NFC Norris Division, right? Because you had Green Bay and Minnesota and Detroit and Tampa Bay. You had all those teams up in the North. And then the, the Buccaneers were the, the newcomers down there in the South. So, uh, we've got a lot to cover today. We have some roster moves that were expected and a couple that maybe weren't expected. But um, I'm Scott Reynolds, and I'm going to be with you for the next couple of minutes before Matt joins us. So excited to, to talk some Bucks football with you all today. I'm especially excited about some of these roster moves. The Buccaneers brought back a defensive tackle. No, it was not Indomitian Sue. It was Khalil Davis. Their sixth-round pick from a couple years ago out of Nebraska. I, I liked Khalil Davis in terms of his ability to rush the passer, and he was kind of a quick, athletic defensive tackle and almost didn't fit what the Buccaneers were looking for a couple years ago when they wanted the bigger, beefier guys like Ndamukong Sue up front. But now that they want more athletic guys that can get after the quarterback, it seems like Davis is a, a better fit now than he was even then, he has been signed to the practice squad. But of course, there is a, a new practice squad guy that has got a little bit more name recognition than Khalil Davis. And of course, talking about Cole Beasley, former Buffalo Bills wide receiver, spent the last three years in Buffalo and ended up catching 82 passes in back-to-back -back seasons, playing that slot receiver role. And right now, the Buccaneers need somebody that can step in and catch the ball. We saw an awful lot of drops against the New Orleans Saints in Sunday's 20-10 to 10 victory. And we just got through having a victory Monday show on Monday. And we appreciate everybody participating and taking part in that. But I would suspect that Cole Beasley will be brought up sooner rather than later. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it up for this Sunday's game. Remember. It's not like Cole Beasley doesn't know the playbook because he doesn't. It's also the fact that he did not go to training camp with any team, nor did he spend an off-season program with, with the team. So he is coming in just fresh off of the street and almost like Richard Sherman last year in that capacity. Sherman was forced into action. We'll see if that's the case with Beasley or if this team feels they can get the job done with Brashard Perriman, who caught the game winner. Uh, fortunately, there's not going to be Mike Evans. There's no surprise there. Evans was, uh, of course, denied his appeal. We did not expect him to win that appeal on Monday. We talked about that. So Evans will not be playing against the Packers. And we'll see about Julio Jones. We'll, we'll have the injury report when that comes out. But Russell Gage is going to have to step up. He is playing with uh, a hamstring injury that, from what I've been told, is, is limiting his production and his effectiveness. But Brashard Perryman, I talked to him today in the locker room. We'll get into a lot of locker room conversations today. Uh, Perryman had that touchdown catch against P.J. Williams. And, and I said, Brashad, you know, you're one of those guys that kind of flies under the radar, right? You're, you, you understand your, your order 
on the depth chart, right? It's it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and now it's Russell Gage and Julio Jones, and, and then it's you. But when those players aren't playing, you find a way to step up, and you've had a couple of big moments. Back in 2019, Brashad Perriman, in his first year with the Buccaneers, had three 100-yard games in a row to end the season. That was when Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Scotty Miller were all on injured reserve. And then, of course, there was the walk-off touchdown over 50 yards against the Buffalo Bills in overtime. That was his signature big play last year. So he caught his second touchdown pass from Tom Brady, and that came at the expense of Williams there. And and I asked him about that play. I said, you know, it, it looked like you kind of set Williams up a little bit because you were running full speed towards the end zone on that 28-yard touchdown, and then you kind of slowed down right around the – the first down or the, uh, I should say that the, the end zone um, and the first pylon, and then you kind of accelerated towards the back of the end zone. And he says, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to create some separation there because I was tracking the ball the whole way and I could see PJ was, was a step behind me, but then closing. And so I wanted to kind of lull him to sleep a little bit around the goal line and then accelerate and have a little bit of separation to make that catch make it an easier catch, and that's certainly what it was. And the Buccaneers, of course, took a 10 to, to nothing, or should say 10 to 3 lead at that point in time, and then uh, went up to 13 to 3 before Mike Edwards' touchdown came on that pick six. But Rashad Perriman is going to have to step up. Uh, Russell Gage is going to have to step up. Julio Jones will see if he can play on Sunday. The team is hopeful that he will. And then, of course, you have Scotty Miller, who started the game with a nice catch, but then dropped a couple of passes that you know at this NFL level you got to make those those catches you got to make those plays for Tom Brady and so without Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans and maybe Julio Jones this week it's you're going to have to see a lot of Rashard Perriman in this this passing game step up for Tom Brady uh, it's interesting because and we'll get to our our Packers Bucks preview in just a minute but in watching the Packers against the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears, as uh, as Mark Cook would say, legendary Mark Cook. Uh, love that guy. I miss him. But when when you look at, at that game, it and what the Packers are offensively, they're not the team that that they were a couple of years ago when they had Devontae Adams. And you know, and, and now the Buccaneers, they're kind of lacking some wide receivers. So it's almost a mirror. Uh, of offensive teams that are trying to run the football to help their quarterback with the running game. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, first, folks, if you didn't know, I got to tell you, the Pewter Report podcast is energized by Celsius. That's the official energy drink of Pewter Report. I've had a Celsius this morning. It's replaced coffee for me. I had the orange flavor. That's my go-to. And I, I love it. I also have, uh, you know, Fondness for the Peach Vibe, that's that's up there in the top five. The the apple, the Fuji apple pear is one of my favorites. Ashley's favorite is watermelon. Folks, if, you, if you're looking for an energy drink that's going to give you the energy without the sugar crash, you got to try Celsius. Why? Because there is no sugar crash because there's no sugar and there's no preservatives. There's seven essential vitamins in each can and the taste is absolutely phenomenal. They've got the, the Vibe series in the newest flavor, which is Arctic Vibe, which is absolutely phenomenal. And you got the Tropical Vibe and the Peach Vibe. 
So if you want to find out more about Celsius and try a can, you've been hearing us talk about it for years. We love it. We all drink Celsius on the Pewter Report squad. Go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address, find a location near you that sells it, whether it's a health and fitness store, a convenience store, grocery store, and grab a couple cans. Try some different flavors. Once you find a flavor that you like or flavors, because there's going to be more than one, go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, and they'll ship them to your house, and you can use the subscribe and save feature, and you can save some money while you are drinking your Celsius. That's always a great thing when Celsius is delivered to my house. So make sure Celsius is in your fridge and, and feel the energy that you're going to get from Celsius. And now we're going to feel Matt Matera's uh, uh, energy because he joins us today. Uh, Matt, it's a mad dash for me to get from One Buck Place to Wesley Chapel. You live closer, but still traffic can be traffic, my friend. Yeah, especially when it starts raining. You know, it was beautiful when we got to the Advent Health Training Center today. And then, you know, right when we were done with the open locker room, you know, we're preparing for the podcast, getting diff different videos up and all things of that sort. And, of course, it starts raining. Luckily, it stopped raining by the time I left the facility. But, yep. you know, that's still all the, uh, the the wetness on the road causes other people to be slower. So yes. a little bit of heavy traffic, a little bit of uh, laptop issues, trying to get some downloads yeah. going so we can – Get well, it on you, know, you know, Matt. Podcast, but I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready a defensive. To I'm a defensive-minded guy, and and the Bucks' defense has had to carry this offense for the first couple <laughs> of of weeks of the season. I, I've carried you for the the first ten minutes of this podcast. It's all good. It's complimentary podcast. It's complimentary I football. That. That's what we're it all very about. Much is very and we appreciate we appreciate John Oaks for the four ninety nine. Super chat. He says, oops, I have my first super chat without a message. That's okay, John. We got you covered. Right. And we appreciate your first super chat. That's yeah. awesome. We appreciate everybody's super chats. That's what helps fund the place. So we appreciate everything uh, that the Buck fans give us in the way of their generosity. And, of course, with super chats, your comments and your questions will always get played on our podcast and questions will get answered. Do you see the Bucks being able to get the ball to Lenny and Rashad, assuming he catches the first one? out of the backfield more on Sunday. And you know what? Um, I, I think I think we will see them more involved in the passing game, especially without Mike Evans. And if if Julio Jones maybe doesn't play, and we'll see what his practice status is during the week, we could see that. Russell Gage has been slowed a little bit. So it's kind of funny. Right before you came on, I said the Packers offense is really mirroring what the Bucks offense is doing right now in terms of, of getting their running backs and and uh, and and using them to to drive the offense, whether it's it's Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon running the ball, or if it's them catching the ball. And we'll just dive right into our previews here. Matt I already went over the Cole Beasley edition and Khalil Mack, and and they, they did put Josh Wells and Akeem Hicks on injured reserve as as we predicted. Wrote about those last night. Todd Bowles mentioned those guys being out for some time, certainly for Sunday's game, and that's the case. But when you look at, at this Packers team, and I, I kind of see a little bit of, of of a mirror image, right? Because you you've got you've got a a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers who is old and still firing away, just like Tom Brady. But at the same time, you've got a running back, right, who's doing damn good things, and, and Aaron Jones, kind of like what Leonard Fournette is doing, and he could help you in the running game as well as the passing game, and they also do the same thing with A.J. Dillon. I mean, he's he's a big back that is hard to bring down, and um, I, I think that the one-two punch between Jones 
and Dylan, you know, uh, it's it's going to it's going to pose some problems. It certainly did for the Bears last week, and and I wouldn't be surprised if 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 they get these guys involved in the running game and the passing game. One of the stats that jumped out to me, Matt, was AJ Dillon is leading the Packers in targets with nine so far. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Jones has got eight. Romeo Dobbs, the rookie receiver, also has eight. So Aaron Rodgers is is looking either for checkdowns or mismatches with his running backs so far in these first two weeks in the passing game. Yeah, they're making life pretty good for Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have to drop back all the time and sling it around like he's had to in the past. Now, some of that, of course, when you have Devontae Adams as your wide receiver, you're more inclined to do that because he's one of the best receivers in the game. But that's not the case anymore. He's over in Las Vegas. I was going to say Oakland, but they're over in uh, Las Vegas. And to your point, the Packers absolutely ran the crap out of the ball on Sunday night when they when they yeah. beat up on the Chicago Bears. It was, as you said, a one-two punch. And that was a big thing that, you know, a lot of uh, the, the Packers media and Packers brass was talking about that in yeah. their first loss to the Minnesota Vikings, which is now a common theme for the Packers that they just play terribly week one. Aaron right. Jones only got eight touches. And yeah. it was insane that a player that talented yeah. – only saw the ball that many times. So they obviously corrected that in week two against the bears and sure the bears have their own problems, but you know, they showed that they can get it done with both running backs, whether it's Jones Jones had a a lot more rushing yards in this game, went over a hundred yards where Dylan obviously, especially is fearsome at the goal line, you know, a little bit more of the, the, the thunder of the thunder lightning duo. If you go back to the Tiki Barber and Ron Dane days uh, Mm -hmm. for the, for the old New York giants. So, that's obviously something that the Bucs have to key in on where, you know, they allowed 100 rushing yards a- against the Saints and very right. different. You know, Taysom Hill was involved in that a little bit. I actually thought the Saints should have used Taysom Hill a lot more than they did. You know, he yeah. did, you know, get a, a, a huge run. And now with Akeem Hicks not in there, oddly, in a weird way, I'm not saying overall it's better for the Bucs, mm-hmm. but stopping the run with Nacho in there, I think is actually going to help the Bucs in, in yeah. some sort. It certainly takes away from the pass rush, but that's why you have Shaq and JTS. Right. So, yeah, I think those are the first two guys you really have to key in on when you're looking at the Packers' you know, yeah. offensive style for this game. And it's interesting, right? We're only two weeks into the season, so it's a small sample size. We can't really make a whole bunch of, yeah. of, of, of decisions other than some snap judgments on who the Packers are offensively because, like the Buccaneers, they're trying to figure that out right now. With without Devontae Adams in the mix, right? And, and Alan Lazard, only three targets so far. You know, so the, the Sammy Watkins, the newcomer, has been, been big for, for Aaron Rodgers. But it, what's interesting about this game is you've got two teams in the Buccaneers and the Packers from a defensive standpoint that are absolutely dynamite on third downs, right? If you look back at, at the Bears-Packers game, the Bears were held to one of seven on third downs. And that's that's awful. The last time I checked, that that's really bad. And so <laughs> not winning it, football. For it's sure. not winning football exactly. And they were zero and one on fourth down, right? And the Bears only had forty eight net yards passing when you factor in a couple sacks. So yeah, Justin Fields, say what you want. He's I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Seven of eleven passing, but but the Packers uh, conversely on the other side of the ball were five of nine on third down. And Matt. For the Buccaneers offense, which is struggle on third downs, they're going up yeah. against a very good third down defense. They're going to have to play much better. And, and that five of nine on third downs that the Packers achieved against the Bears, that's going to make the Bucs offense a little jealous, right? 
Oh, it has to because the Bucks are looking at that saying, hey, that was us. We were the team that could really get it done on third down. And I thought at times in the game against the Saints, it, w- it was almost a similar story to when they played the Cowboys where they could move the ball across midfield. I thought they actually did a solid job on, on a couple of third downs early in the game in those in that first quarter. And later in the third and the fourth quarter after the fight, they, they did a lot better in those areas. But, yeah, I mean, w- once you get to the red zone, it, of course, becomes an issue again. Yeah. And I think Todd Bowles really summed it up best when talking about the issues in the red zone and and especially, you know, the, thir- the, the fourth and goal, not fourth and goal, but the fourth and one, you know, in yeah. that red zone. He just went, we got to find a way to get a yard. And I right. think that really right. comes down. We got to find a way to get a yard, whether it's Leonard Fournette in there. I mean, he played like 85% of the snap, so it's yeah. mostly going to get. But yeah, that this has been a one really big change for the Bucks on offense is that, you know, they're dynamite in the red zone, great on third down. Right. It hasn't totally been the case these first two weeks of the season. Yeah. Do I think that corrected? Yes, I do. Yeah, and again, small sample size, just two games, but they were 65% on third downs last year. And this year, less than 40% to start the season. So we'll see if they can get some traction. Maybe that that might be part of, of playing on the road. This this Buccaneer team was has been very good playing on the road since Bruce Arians got here in 2019. Matter of fact, in 2019, yeah. they won more road games than they won on home games. But last year, while going 13-4, and four, they only lost once at home. So they've they've had their best home record last year. They went eight or seven and one last year at home. And that's the most wins they've ever had. And you throw in that that playoff win against the Eagles at home. And then of course the loss to the Rams. But they finished eight and two at home. That's their best record ever at Raymond James Stadium in a single season. So maybe being at home helps this offense click a little bit better. They don't have the crowd noise to deal with. And, and maybe that helps things. But again, the Packers have got a really, really good third down defense as well. Uh, a couple questions about Cole Beasley. We'll get to him in a second. But um, I, I've been seeing some some questions here in the chat about the running back position. And uh, there was one here. I, I think Vaughn deserves another look. Rashad has been ineffective. Yeah. I think that the Bucks probably coming to that conclusion too. And you, you're certainly going to see Keyshawn Vaughn active this week, Matt, because Giovanni Bernard is on injured reserve. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Keyshawn Vaughn get a little bit more action. You know, that, that window of opportunity is now opened with the injury to Gio Bernard. And for the long haul, I'm not exactly worried about Rashad White. I really just think it's a matter of, you know, he's getting his feet wet. Yeah. In the NFL, and I bet you, you know, five weeks from now, he makes that catch that he dropped uh, in week two when Tom Brady was throwing him the ball. Right. I think for every running back, it's very different. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to say his name, but like Ronald Jones had a awful rookie season and then got together for one year and he actually looked like a formidable running back before we found out that, you know, he can't pass block or, right. or receive. But there was a time when Ronald Jones was a factor in the box offense, especially in that yeah. 2020 season. So, you know, Rashad White is already a step ahead than Ronald Jones, and that's the last I'll talk about Rojo. Yeah. But right. um, I just think with Keyshawn Vaughn, he's still a young guy, but with the experience that he has on this team being here, I believe this is his third season, I think it's going to be so crucial 
the reps that he had last year when the running right. back room was decimated. Rojo was out. Yes. Leonard Fournette was out. They had to sign Le'Veon Bell off the street. He's now knocking out Adrian Peterson in right. boxing matches. So right. like it, you, All you had was Keyshawn Vaughn, and he had the highlight play and uh, against the Panthers, that long touchdown run, that scamper, if yep. you will. And I just think he's a guy that we've talked about, has progressed a lot in training camp and the preseason. And the only reason why he's really been inactive is just the numbers game with you right. know, Fournette, who's obviously the guy, the horse of the yeah. running back room. White, who's extremely exciting and I think right. will be the more he gets comfortable playing in the NFL. And then Bernard, of course, is just that savvy veteran. But I think right. Bernard, I think I mean, this is very early. We'll see how long he's out for, but he's already on IR. Yeah, I, I think it's probably his last go of it in, in Tampa, if not his career. He's just yeah. his his bones are made of glass at this point. That's no yeah. disrespect. To he him. keeps he's getting hurt. He's, he's in his 30s. And, and I, I think this is going to be the kind of the changing of the guard. I The Bucks like Giovanni Bernard, but the best kind of ability is availability. And yep. you can't help the club in the tub. I mean, all those cliche trite sayings, they're true. And, and I think that when you look at at. Giovanni Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn's going to get this opportunity. He had a great training camp. I mean, I've, I've not yeah. been the biggest Keyshawn Vaughn fan. He impressed me in training camp, catching the ball better. Matt, that's something you and I noticed. We're out there during training camp practices. He had a great game against Tennessee. I thought he ran the ball very well. He seems like he's taken some steps. And at this point in time, I'd rather see Keyshawn Vaughn active than Giovanni Bernard, even when, when Bernard comes back healthy. This is a third year running back. You got to kind of see what he can do to see if maybe he can be, you know, a, a, is he a future number two? Uh, can he yeah. beat out Rashad White? I mean, this team likes White, and I do too, not ready to throw in the towel. But at the same time, when, when you get handoffs, you got to run, you got to get yards. And when the, Tom Brady throws you the ball, you got to catch it, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is a fast moving train, and you're either on the train or you're not. And I think right now, Rashad White is kind of hanging on to the train, kind of like doing one of those things from the movies where he's he's yeah. trying to jump on the train right from behind. And, <laughs> and we'll see if that's the case. But but we're going to see some Keyshawn Vaughn here too. We've also seen a couple Super Chats. Kevin Purvis, finally able to catch a live show. Y'all do an amazing job. Keep it up. Thank you. Appreciate the Super Chat. Thank also you. need recommendations for places to see I'll be in Tampa for the Rams game. Well, that's awesome. We appreciate the Super Chat, Kevin. Uh, places to see, I would definitely say, if you're watching uh, college football on Saturday before the game, you got to go to Walk-Ons. Walk-Ons is the the place. There, we're partnered with them, but the reason why we're partnered with them is because they're really good. Great food, TVs galore. It's our place to go for Pewter Report Tailgate Show. That's the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show presented by Age Rejuvenation live at Walk-Ons. And we've got two locations Walk-ons in Wesley Chapel up here by my, my neck of the woods, the Midtown Tampa location, which is where we were at last week. That was uh, closer to Matt's house, yep. down there by the stadium. We're going to be at the Wesley Chapel this week. Bailey Adams, J.C. Allen, and John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end, are going to be doing our live Pewter Report tailgate show from walk-ons. Absolutely fantastic food. And uh, that chicken sandwich looks dynamite, and it is. I've had it. I've had uh, their their mozzarella logs. Uh, they're not sticks. They're logs. They're amazing. Yeah. The boudin balls. The food is fantastic. A walk-on city. I would say there. Then I would also say Ybor City. It's just kind of a classic Tampa place. Great restaurants down there. Good bar scene. Yeah. You know, I, I think Ybor City is still 100%, a place. 100%, Scott. And 
you know, if you want to get a little food too, if you're bouncing around from bar to bar, I was in Ebor this weekend. I got a little pizza at New York, New York pizza. Good place. You know what drinks that they have at New York, New York? Was it Pirate Republic? They have all they three yeah. Pirate Republics. Yeah. I was so pumped. I told my friends, I was like, guys, we're yep. getting this. We're getting Matt, the Pirate Republic. That's such good news. I'm going to crack one open right now. I just am. And we'll do the Pirate Republic read later, and I'll continue to drink my beer later. But but we have another super chat we need to get to. So I definitely appreciate the little plug there for Pirate Republic. Matt, uh, uh, Joel Dalton, I'm Australian, not normally up at this hour. Love your coverage. How do we fix your line, mate? That's for um, good day, mate. Thank yeah. you so much for the $5 super chat. Don't know what they what they use over in Australia, but thank you. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, well, you did, you already did the accent. Sorry for, sorry for brutalizing your language, man, but it was just, it's just funny. I, you, I, I, I didn't do, you know, put another shrimp on the Bobby. So I didn't yeah. do that. So you can't penalize me for that, but Matt, go ahead. Well, it's a good question. How do we fix the offensive line? Well, there's only so much fixing you can do when you're down to your third string offensive tackle. You know, it's, it's not really a matter of, you know, um, putting in another player and Brandon Wallen, I think did play very solid when he, he did. was, you know, when he was put into the game, I really think, again, we have to look at the offensive line in, in, in its entirety. And as we keep saying, it's a small sample size, yeah. but after the first game, would we all say, Oh, we need to fix the offensive line. We'd say in the run game. No, not at all. They ran yeah. for 150 yards. No issues. there. got to clean it up in the pass coverage. Right. Second game. Wow. <laughs> They did a pretty good job protecting Tom Brady. He only was there one time. Yeah. Damn. Third and one, fourth and one. They That's where they struggle. So yeah. it's been a little Jekyll and Hyde with the run game and or it was the run game and run blocking and the passing game and particularly yeah. pass blocking. So I just think, and it goes back a little bit to the predictability of what Byron Leftwich is going to call and just the variety of what they call in the run game. I would love to see a lot more motion i know they they've run a little bit more like jet sweeps than they did at all of of last year they didn't start doing that until like the second to last game of the season now we're right. seeing it from the get-go but i just think get a little more creative with the tosses to the outside i agree yeah tristan Wirfs in space scotty miller had a nice you know jet sweep to the outside yeah. ended up getting called back because of a holding penalty but that was on wide receiver jalen darden and scotty right. was already up the field yeah. had already gotten that first down it, so it was nothing on the offensive line there and i think even right. if darden it was a very it was like a very ticky tack call in my mm -hmm. opinion it was very close where uh you know even if he lets the guy go they still get the first down so i would just it's not necessarily fixing the offensive line i think it's just helping out the offensive line with playing to their strengths you know if you run it towards right you get a key side yeah smash the hole make sure you get there because you know he's more of a, a running offensive lineman where, you know, if you want to pass block too, Walton showed that he can do that. So yeah. I think it's just more creativity and variety than it is actually fixing. I agree. A I, I, I would like to, and, and, it, and it kind of goes against, you know, the maybe the, the principles of it because I, I would like to see big 240-pound Leonard Fournette and, and big MGM says any news on Donovan Smith. I, I don't think we're going to see Donovan Smith this week. I think yeah, it's going to be not, Brandon did Walton. Not practice, yeah. Did not practice today. Yep. Didn't even see him in the locker room. So, right. Yep. Yeah. I, he's getting treatment. I, I don't. I think we're going to see Brandon Walton get his first start, and 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 we'll see if he's going to do better. That's going to be one of the big matchups, right? With those those two tackles, the Packers' pass rush is not nearly as diverse 
as Tampa Bay's. There's really two guys you have to kind of be concerned about. Preston Smith on one side, who had he's got two sacks this season through two games, and Rashawn Gary on the other, right? That's mm-hmm. those are the two guys that they lean on to to get their pass rush. Oh, and by the way, guess what? There's the only two guys that have sacks. The Packers with four sacks through two games compared to Tampa Bay, who's leading the league with 10 sacks in two games. So they rely a lot on Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary to provide that pressure from the outside. You'll see Kenny Clark, the the defensive tackle up front, your team captain, who is, you know, he's he's still Man a damn good Bowl. player. Yeah. yeah. And if you remember when – when uh, when Alex Kappa was out and Aaron Stinney was in in that NFC Championship game back in in 2020, I think Tom Brady only got sacked once, and it was Kenny Clark beating mm-hmm. beating uh, Aaron Stinney. So, uh, but Preston Smith is he's a problem. He's he's a big dude that uh, that is I think a more physical type of player, almost like a Cam Jordan type. And then you've got Rashawn Gary, who is more of that athletic type. Uh, if, if you're going to you know, to look at him, he's more closer to say Marcus Davenport, right? Just yeah. looking at last week's game and, and who Brandon Walton battled with and who Tristan Wirfs battled with. But Kenny Clark can be a problem inside for the the center and and the, the two guards. But I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I think that that when you look at at what the Packers were were able to do on third downs, that was key. But it wasn't like the Bears couldn't run the ball even though they struggled yes. on on third down they ran the ball for a pretty good clip 180 yards on the ground last week and that's pretty amazing because what that tells me is is when you've got a, a team running for 180 yards but but they're but they're terrible on first down or on third downs that means on first and second down they're breaking off some chunk runs and we saw Khalil Herbert have a 27 yarder against the Packers David Montgomery had a 28-yarder. Justin Fields scrambled a couple times for 20 yards. But Montgomery had 122 yards on the ground. So that might kind of be a little bit of, of, of the chink in their armor. And I think the Buccaneers are going to try to stay balanced again this week, Matt. It just makes sense because you don't want to get Smith and Rashawn Gary going on third downs. And, and you want to get you want to get into third and short situations. You want to convert them, but you don't want them teeing off on on Tom Brady, especially Brandon Walton's side, where he's going to feel the pressure maybe of starting his first game. It's going to be at home. Sometimes with these backup players, Matt, it's almost better to come off the bench, right, when bullets are flying and you just got to step in and do it. You can't think about it, right? Exactly, exactly. You're not overthinking anything. You're just in there and – in a weird way, it's like when you come off the bench, it's like, all right, just hold down the fort. You know, we're not expecting you to, you know, lead the team to victory. You just have to do your part and make sure that you get it going. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very similar game plan to essentially what they've done the whole season. Again, yeah. just two games. But I think you're going to see a lot of help from Kate Otten and Koki, Chip, you know, Smith and Gary, depending on where they want to line them up. Obviously, they're going to try to take advantage with with Walton in the game and yeah, it's tough to go up against Tristan Wirfs really and Bucks yeah. fans are, are not going to be worried about that. So, well, I, I'll say this, yeah. even if the Buccaneers don't have their best performance on Sunday, according to Nick, this is the best podcast ever. And we're already, we're already 31 minutes into it, Matt. I feel pretty good about it. I feel like this is the best Peter report podcast that we've, we've done. And I'm excited about that. 
we, we do have a comment here from Will the Brewer, uh, better than your English voice, Scott. And when it's talking about my Australian voice, apparently, uh, I don't know. I think my English voice, Wellington for Avalon. I think that's even better. You know, God bless the queen. May she rest in peace. You know, I don't know. I think that's that's pretty good. No, yeah, it's 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 solid. It's definitely better than the All right. Matt, one. We, we've got a little bit of uh, stereotyping here from Les Evans. We appreciate the $5 Super Chat. Uh, Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, and now Brady has Cole Beasley. Uh, does he like uh, small white slot receivers? Yes. Historically, that's a fact. We're not trying to you know, uh, uh, say anything that, that people are, are not aware of. I mean, that that's, that's a stereotype that he likes. I also think he likes six foot five wide receiver, Mike Evans. I think he likes Chris yeah. Godwin in the slot in this offense after catching 98 passes from Tom. I think he likes Brashad Perriman on that 28 yard. I, I think Tom Brady likes anybody that can catch the ball. And I think that's why they brought Cole Beasley in here because, because Tom said, if we're not, if we're not going to have, Chris for a couple of weeks and if Julio gets banged up again and you know, he's on and off and, and Mike, who knows, but I got to have somebody I can catch the ball uh, or that I can throw the ball to and they'll catch it. And I, I think that's why, why Cole Beasley's here. Not just because he's that prototypical stereotypical white yeah. slot receiver, right? It is funny to poke that joke though. Cause I, like I practiced today, you're watching Cole Beasley warm up. And it's like, Oh wow. Like they're really going back to like the old, Tom Brady style of offense, which is yeah. all these short wide receivers. And then, you know, you got Rashad Perriman in there. Yeah. We'll see if Beasley is yeah. a factor in this game, especially if Julio Jones doesn't play. Now we got to speak to Cole Beasley in the locker room after practice today. And um, turns out that he's been wanting to be a buck for a little while, especially after all these injuries, he was up in Tom Brady's DMS, letting him know, Hey man, I'm available if you need me. So um, here's Beasley talking about hitting up Tom. And then also just trying to understand this playbook and if he could be ready by Sunday, because you know he literally just got here yesterday. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I was I was hitting him up a lot. <laughs> so, so I think you know a lot of guys got banged up a little bit in here, so it gave me an opportunity to come in here and get some work and get him to look at me a little bit. So um, you know, I, I don't know what my role is gonna be at this, at this moment, but you know, I'm just coming in um, humble and just ready to be a part of it. Can you appreciate I think so. I mean, I don't know everything, but um, you know, it's a little easier when you're just studying a game plan and not the whole offense. So, um, that always helps me. How much does Tom help you sit with? Well, I, I mean, I just got here yesterday, so, um, you know, I've mainly been with, with uh, the research for a little bit. I've just been talking about it. How weird was it being out? Yeah, I thought it was interesting what he had to say about, like, you know, he's going to try to pick up the the playbook as much as he can, but it actually helps when you get in the season because you design specific plays for certain schemes that you're really just doing against, yeah. like, for, for this week, the Packers defense that you might not see, you know, when they play against the Steelers in a couple of weeks. So I right. thought it was interesting what he had to say there. And then lobbying to play with Tom Brady, uh, we've seen <clears> – <throat> Many players come to Tampa because Tom Brady is here, right. whether it's Leonard Fournette, whether it's Russell Gage. So uh, just add Cole Beasley to the list of, uh, you know, Brady yeah. being the ultimate recruiter, even though Brady right. maybe wasn't necessarily looking for him, but kind of yeah. fell into his lap this time. You know, it's interesting. I'm just going to address this just really quick here. Just my opinion. Uh, 
he, he says he refused to get vaxxed, which is why he was a free agent. I don't know that that's true because there's no more COVID protocols this year right. in the league, right? I think you have to look at the fact that Cole Beasley's 33 and, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's five foot eight, 174 pounds. He's smaller than Scotty Miller. So he's not going to be a great fit in, in everybody's system, right? He's got to be a, a certain fit. And I will say this, uh, I'm not trying to put anybody, you know, uh, uh, talking about anything with, with regards to the backs. People can make up their own mind about the vaccine. And honestly, I think we're, we're kind of past that because there is no more COVID protocols in the league. We're in open locker room doing our job. There's no more masks, et cetera. Having said that, I think generally speaking, NFL teams don't like players that are distractions or that can be distractions. And I think yeah. whether it's it's Colin Kaepernick or Tim Tebow, um, Cole Beasley, that might have been a reason, right? Because he's very outspoken on Twitter. And if you're outspoken on Twitter and you are uh, you know, a LeBron James type player, where, like you're the star of the show, yeah, basically. that's different, yeah. right? There's two sets of rules. It's it's are, are you really outspoken about topic A, B, C, or D or whatever? And, and are you a star player? We'll, we'll put up with that and, and we'll, we'll carry on. But if you are outspoken about topic A, B, C, or D on Twitter and you are a role player, that can be a different story because you can be a distraction, good, bad, or, or indifferent. And the interesting thing is Cole Beasley, who was very outspoken on Twitter about COVID and other things, has taken his Twitter down. I think that's kind of noteworthy. You know? I don't know if that was the team saying take it down or, or Cole Beasley saying, I want a fresh start, I'm going to take it down. But I think he's here just to catch passes, be a Buccaneer, and play football. And based upon all the drops we saw on Sunday, Tom Brady needs somebody else that can catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Scotty Miller, a, a lot of a lot of issues there. I'm not saying he's going to play the Scotty Miller role because Beasley can line up in the slot, and Scotty Miller is an outside wide receiver. That's yes, a common yes. misconception there. And you know, yeah. Scott, it might be a good thing that, that Beasley uh, deleted his Twitter because we had posted today, there was a wild sequence in practice today. Yeah. And uh, Cole Beasley <laughs> was returning punts and, uh, you know, gained some traction on social media, but you know, he was he was back returning punts, and the first one he happened to muff, and uh, a lot of crazy stuff went on. So I'll just play the right. video, and we could talk about it right now. Yeah. Okay, apparently the video is not playing. I don't know why, but played here on my end. I saw it. Okay, why don't you try it? Yeah. Well, it just was interesting, right? Because he 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 fielded the punts. And then he got his helmet knocked off. Co'Keefe comes down, right, <laughs> and, yeah. and and knocks his helmet off, and and then he kind of kept going. But it it just it was it was an interesting first day at work for Cole Beasley on that particular play. And it was interesting he was out there catching punts too, because we've only really seen Jalen Darden. You know, he lost his kick return job, and now yeah. he's returning punts, and he did he did an, an okay job returning yeah. punts in he's been better than last season, right. And that's important. But even when Mike Evans was gone, we didn't really see a whole bunch more of Jalen Darden on the field. And of course, that holding penalty, when you're out there for a couple plays, folks, you, you got to make them count. And you can't have negative plays because then coaches can't trust you. And yeah. so I just wonder if, if Cole Beasley, once he's active on the roster, if Jalen Darden does not do well on punt returns, 
Cole Beasley, I mean, I think Cole Beasley is going to take Scotty Miller's roster spot when it's all said and done. And he might end up taking Jalen Darden's spot on the 46-man active roster when it's all said and done, too. It definitely could be a possibility. See, I never know with these things because we'll see so many different players go back and return punts. Like Sean Murphy yep. Bunting's been back there. We've talked a lot about Scotty being back there, but they don't utilize him in the game. So I think right now is probably more of like – Seeing what he can do, but yep. yeah, let's let's see let's see how he looks as a, as a punt returner. So I still think it, it is Darden's job, but yeah, I mean, if he's not going to play wide receiver much or you know commit these penalties when he is in the game, it's definitely something where Beasley can take advantage of and and get more of those reps because you know outside of Rashad Perriman making that great touchdown catch, we haven't seen much from any of the other That's true. wide receivers. Like Scotty, again, all of those targets and not much to show for it except for a couple of catches uh, to get first downs. But they were yeah. like deeply spread out between the good and a lot of the bad before the good yep. came back a little bit. And yeah, we're not seeing a lot of Darden and right. Tyler Johnson's not here anymore. So it's kind of, and, and, you know, Russell Gage has been, let's, Let's call a spade a spade. It's been a yep. little disappointing so far through two games. Right. I, I and, agree. You know, whether it's injuries or just still fitting in this offense, there hasn't been that click that we saw in training camp. And, you know, it's surprising when it's someone like Gage. You know, when yep. it's Darden, it's like, all right, I get it. You know, yeah. he's new. But your $10 million receiver, right? That, yeah. That's that's a different story. Well, the interesting thing is uh, we are at Todd Bowles' press conference today, and you know, they need some help catching the ball on the offensive side. And as we kind of transition from looking at the offense, where just to kind of summarize, the Bucks are going to have to be better on third downs going up against this tough Green Bay third down defense. I think that's going to be the tail of the tape. It's going to be turnovers for sure, but it's also going to be which team performs better on third downs because both of these third down defenses are, are just about in the, in the, where they're in the top 10. I think they're in the top five as well. So the Bucks' offense is going to have to do a much better job, whether it's third and short, and it's running the ball, or whether it's third and long, catching the ball. But, you know, Mike Edwards has got some of the best hands on the team. If you watched Mike, he was mic'd up by the Buccaneers, and actually Levante David's going to be mic'd up for this game. It's just a little, little inside scoop there. But Mike huh. Edwards was mic'd up for the Saints game when he had to pick six. And he told Jalen Darden, these hands are certified. Yeah, I mean, you no, know, he, so he told Sean Murphy Bunting before the game, these hands are certified. And then okay. he told Galen Darden, this is after Jamel Dean's second interception. And he's sitting next to Darden on the bench. And he goes, That's right. Yes. And yeah. he goes, How much you want to bet? I got an interception next. And they shook on it. And then he got the pick six. <laughs> right. And of course, he celebrated with the defense on yeah. the field. But, you know, once he was heading back towards the sideline, Jalen Darden was like the first offensive player yes. to go over and congratulate <laughs> him. So. You know, literally betting on himself, you know. That's I, right. I have You got to respect that. So we have Todd Bowles talking about Mike Edwards possibly playing some wide receiver. And then uh, in, in the same clip you're going to see, talking about Jamel Dean's diving end zone interception against Chris Olave. Poor Jameis Winston. He just couldn't connect with Olave all day. And then when he did, Olave fumbled, recovered by Carlton Davis. So here's Todd Bowles talking about Mike Edwards and Jamel Dean about them quite a bit. Any, con any consideration of maybe using him at receiver at a time? 
He has great hands and he has great receiver hands, but with the lineman almost catching him, no. (laughs) (laughs) He did have safety responsibilities on that play. We know he can run. Uh, I'm glad he came down with it. Dean seems to catch the hard ones and drop the easy ones. So, you know, he makes two great plays. We just got to tell the quarterbacks, don't throw it straight at them. (laughs) 49 speed, I mean. You know, that's great about about Todd Bowles, Matt. We're seeing now more of Bowles' personality and and that sarcasm that he likes to use towards his players. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians would, would drop some F-bombs and get all red-faced and angry, kind of like what he did on the sidelines, uh, where he got a, a letter of reprimand from the league for his uh, verbal role in the altercation between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans on Sunday. But with Bowles, it's little digs. It's it's yeah. sarcasm. It's things like that. And and uh, and so that, that was good to see and funny. And, you know, when you, when you look, too, I was talking to Mike Evers today in the locker room, and if, believe it or not, Edwards led the team in interceptions last year with three, mostly as a role player. Mm-hmm. Last year, he had two pick sixes. But I asked him about how he felt about Jamel Dean having the current team lead with two, and he was not happy about it. And he says, well, as a matter of fact, the safeties on this team, we have a bet against the cornerbacks that we're going to end up with more interceptions, right? So- and yeah, I spoke to Jamel Dean, and he was. I asked him, like, does he have bragging rights against the rest of the DB room? And he said, no. It's actually what you're essentially what you're saying is, yeah. it's cornerbacks against safeties in, right. in, in that competition. I wonder where Antoine Winfield Jr. falls into it? Because well, according to Edwards, he's a safety, so he okay. said right now it's tied. And he said that we actually had more interceptions than the corners last year, and yep. they never they never paid up. They have to pay their their debt. Ah, so they have got to pay up first. And, and I said, is this like a double or nothing year? Uh, and, and Edward said, no, the, we want, we want to get paid now. We, we want the corners to, to pay up and, and then we'll, we'll beat them again this year. So something interesting to see there. Um, you know, one of the, of the things, and I wrote about this menacing bucks defense on pewterreport.com. It may be mad if you can find that story on pewterreport.com and drop it in, in the chat here. Um, one of the things that, that I wanted to kind of highlight today as we're talking about this Bucks packers uh, preview, and if you remember, uh, Aaron Rodgers got sacked f- several times. I want to say five times in that game. I actually think he got sacked four, and then the backup quarterback got sacked once. But he threw two interceptions, one of which was to Mike Edwards, and one of which was to Jamel Dean, who had a pick six in that game, turned around that, that game in the regular season in 2020 at 38-10, to 10, win over the Packers. And the thing about Devin White that I've noticed this year that's made him a successful blitzer, he's got three sacks to lead the team. He had one, should have had two in that game against New Orleans, is how they're blitzing him. We've seen a couple times, more so in that Dallas game, where Devin White, Matt, will go right up to the line of scrimmage and stand in that A-gap and either show blitz or, or fake blitz, and he'll drop out in coverage. But what that did was, and I talked to Levante David about this today, what that did was that telegraphed to the quarterback, hey, I'm going to come in this A-gap, and I got enough speed. I'm going to blow past the guard in the center, and I'm going to be a problem, and you got to deal with me right off the bat. The problem is even a guy like Mac Jones saw that, knew it was coming, and with yeah. Devin coming 100 miles an hour, could sidestep, and that's why we saw Devin White miss some sacks last year this is why we're seeing Devin White get home this year I'm going to play this video a couple times because it's very brief 
and I don't have the ability on, on StreamYard here to stop and start it. So we're going to play it a couple times, but watch Devin White. He's the middle linebacker. You'll see him come through right there and get this sack on Jameis Winston. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to watch it again, and you'll see him. It's a delayed blitz. So he lets all the action happen up front, and you see Shaq Barrett beat his guy and come inside, and, and you see Devin White wait, 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 and then boom, see the opening and then come in. And Jameis Winston is not focused on Devin White, and there's no sidestepping at Devin White. Plus, too, he's also contained inside the pocket. It's not as immediate. It's not that one-second blitz right off the snap that we saw Devin White get some in 2020. He had nine sacks, and some of those sacks came on those type of, of immediate A-gap blitzes. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing this delayed blitz, and Devin's still fast enough to get home, right? Let's count this this rep here, okay? Uh, let's play this one. Here we go. 1-1,000, 2-1,000, 1000 sack. Three seconds. Yeah. Boom, he's gone. Now, here's the interesting thing. If we're going we're gonna to play this again. Watch the heat that's coming from Jamel Dean, who blitzes on this play, along with Mike Edwards, right? So you see an overload on that right side of the Bucks defense against the left side of the Saints offensive line. In three sacks, Jameis Winston's on the ground. In two sacks, or in two seconds, he has to step up into the pocket. Now, watch the slot receiver and watch the responsibility of Levante David, right? This is a mismatch right here, but Jameis can't get to him. You see, David is going right down the middle of the field, and, and that receiver's got a step or two on him. I'm going to play it again so you can see it, but it doesn't matter because the pressure package happens so quickly that White has got him on the ground. And so that's that's what Bowles likes to do in, in, in these man coverage blitzes is it, he's betting on Devin White getting to the quarterback before the quarterback has the time to even see a receiver breaking down the field. So here's the second play. This should have been a sack. And I have to give Jameis a lot of credit. All those bobbing and weaving type yeah. of drills where he's doing all that all stuff. The, all the workouts are uh, paying yeah. off. They're paying off, right? Because he ducked a sack from Devin White, even though White kind of came more under control on another delayed blitz. But it was enough to keep Winston in the pocket. And because he had the duck, he couldn't see any of his receivers. Joe Tryon Shoyinka and Vita Bea had a, a Washington Husky sandwich. And James Winston was in the middle of it. Here goes that film. Again, watch the delay blitz from Devin White. Here he comes. He's not in the A-gap. He misses. The pocket collapses. We'll see it again. It's it's something where he is delayed. He's a couple yards off the ball. He still gets there so fast because Devin White might be the fastest inside linebacker in the game. We'll play it again. You can see uh, the pocket collapse. JTS doing a good job. Uh, with with the right tackle Ryan Ramchick, Vita Vea getting pressure up the middle, and 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 that this this new little wrinkle, this delayed blitz, this yeah. delayed rush, I think is making a world of difference because it's allowing Devin to come in a little bit more under control, but just as fast and get to the quarterback, Matt. And that speed is perfect for a delayed situation. If you had a slower linebacker, you know he maybe he doesn't get there in time, and Jameis hits you know the the deep ball to the receiver that Levante David was was trying to to cover on that play. So the speed makes up for a ton of it, and he's also such a threatening blitzer and, and pass rusher that it's confusing the team, the offensive line at the line of scrimmage right. in multiple ways for all the ways that you just pointed out. But I think one of my favorite times was when uh, Devin 
faked like he was going to blitz. This was on the sack. It was a sack for Levante David, but right. it, it was nullified because of a roughing the passer on Keanu Neal. But Devin was up at the line of scrimmage. Then, obviously, faked like he was going to blitz. Then he dropped back in coverage. So the offensive lineman in front of him, of right. course, they blitzed Neal on the side as well. So the offensive lineman went from, oh, I got to block Devin White to, oh, he's not blitzing now. Let me go help the, the offensive tackle. Moved all the way over, so which opened yeah. things up for Levante David on what should have been a sack. So Devin White is is helping the pass rush when he's rushing and when yeah. he's not rushing at all. He's really helping in so many different ways. And, you know, he talked about how much that he has to improve this year after he wasn't happy with what he did in 2021. Right. So far in 2022, he's absolutely living up to it, whether it's leading yes. in tackles, in sacks. You know, he's, he's doing everything for this team. Right. And he's and, done a lot better in pass coverage too, which obviously was, you know, yeah. something that we really, uh, you know, have harped on him for. Exactly. Here's Devin White here, right? He takes the, the tight end Troutman, right? Right out of the yeah. backfield, you know, or I should say up the line of scrimmage, uh, no wasted motion. He's locked in. I think Devin White would be guilty a little bit in the past of looking in the backfield and losing sight of the tight end or the back he was covering. You see right there, Devin White just mirroring Troutman, nowhere to go with the ball. This is great eye discipline, staying with his target, you know, and 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 making that cut when Troutman makes it, taking him out of the play. And it's just, it's been fun to see Devin White evolve as a good coverage player. I think he had a 90 coverage grade, if I if my memory serves it, against uh, the Saints uh, on Sunday, according to Pro Football Focus, only Mike Edwards had a higher coverage grade. So great to see. One of the things about Devin White is, and and if you if you pay attention to the Pewter Game Day show, which we're going to have for you again this week, and that's going to be right after the Pewter Report tailgate show. That's live in-game analysis with Matt Matera and Paul Atwal this week. That's right, Paul Atwal returns. 425, that's three hours of, of live in-game analysis that we break down the Bucks games better than anybody. Matt does a great job, and we've got Paul back to really kind of talk about this Bucks offense. He knows it inside and out. But one of the great things about this is uh, every time the Buccaneers get a, a, a pick or a fumble or a sack, well, it's a Pirate Republic plunder moment, and nobody is plundering better right now than Devin White, who's leading the team with three sacks. And that's certainly one of, of the best numbers in the league right now. And I asked Levante David, how many sacks, what's the ceiling that Devin White could get this year? And he's like, oh, man, don't, I, I didn't want to think about it because he's already got three in the first two games with 15 to go. But, folks, Pirate Republic, I'm enjoying this great long John Pilsner. It's a fantastic beer. As you know, Pirate Republic is the official beer of Pewter Report. And they're brewed out of the Bahamas. It doesn't get more pirate than that, folks. Pirate Republic, they've got three amazing beers that are available here in the Tampa Bay area, and they're invading the state of Florida. Uh, they're available in participating Total Wine and More, ABC Liquors, Lucan's Liquors, and Party Liquors as well. So make sure you're grabbing a six-pack of the Long John Pilsner or the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wheat Beer and, and a four-pack of the, the Big Boys there. That's the Take No Quarter IPA which is fantastic. I'll spend just a minute here telling you about the Long John Pilsner. It's, it is the, the lightest beer. It's the crisp, refreshing Pilsner. And this is the kind of beer when you're looking to, to go to the game on Sunday, 
that you can bring and tailgate with because it's crushable. You can have several of these. They're not heavy. Uh, they're packed with flavor, though. They've got the toasted Munich malt that really brings out the depth. It's an absolutely fantastic beer. Folks, we've had other local beer companies try to partner with us in the past to become the official beer of Peter Report, and it just hasn't worked out because the quality wasn't up to our standards. And we love all three of these beers, don't we, Matt? We love all three. I My personal favorite is the Long John Pilsner, but I've been on the Belgian with beer uh, the yeah. past couple of times that I've had it, so been high on that. And, of course, the Take No Quarters IPA. Can't go wrong with that. Scott, the Bucks were getting so many sacks and creating so many turnovers that during the live stream with Casey and I, Pirate Public got a ton of air. Pirate Public got more airtime than Casey and myself because every right. other play, they were getting a sack. Like that fourth quarter might as well have just been the Pirate Republic logo because it was interception, interception, fumble, sack, sack. sack. Not, yeah, that's what it was for like Pick. the entire fourth quarter. Fumble. <laughs> it was that's... that over and over and over. So, uh, yeah. You know, they come in bunches. So anytime you see that graphic on the live stream, just know that another one is coming very, very yeah. soon. And that should signal you that, that you should grab uh, a Pirate Republic Long John Pilsner from your fridge and crack it open and enjoy it because the Buccaneers defense just made a great play. So, Matt, as we kind of finish up this show here, I, I think that one of the 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 things, too, is is they still don't have David Bakhtiari in there at yeah. left tackle, right? And, and I, I think that's still a bit of a weakness. Um, they, they've got, you know, they, they've got, uh, Yosh Ninjman, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he stepped in at left tackle and he's done, he's done an okay job. He's, he's been a player that has, has been a credible player there. I don't, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has been under too much duress throughout the, the start of the season, but at the same time, neither the Vikings nor the bears have the pass rushers that the Buccaneers do. Aaron Rodgers has been sacked seven times this season so far. He's not as mobile as, as he used to be, right? So I, I do think there's some opportunities here for the Buccaneers to exploit this, this Green Bay Packers offensive line. Again, like most teams, we don't see exceptional guard play anymore. This wasn't like the 80s and the 90s where you know you had uh, you know guys like Will Shields and Randall McDaniel you know, yeah. and, and Larry Allen, these Hall of Fame guards. I just think that that really had said it, maybe Quentin Nelson, you know, Ali Marpet's retired now. There's just not as many quality guards. And you've got John Runyon, you know, who's a better pass protector than he is a run blocker at one guard. Royce Newman is is the other guard. I just think that they're kind of susceptible there. They're not going to have Akeem Hicks. They're, we're going to see more Logan Ryan, or not Logan Ryan, Logan Hall as a result, Matt, up front. And I think that the rookie and uh, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, they're going to have to kind of fill up for that. That void uh, that Hicks, uh, you know, has not just a, against the run, but you know, the pass rush that, that Hicks can bring. Yeah, that's really something where I think a lot of us are going to really be honing in on on Logan Hall to see if he can step it up with the pass rush. You know, he's made some splash plays. Talk about that, you know, that tackle for loss against the Cowboys when Zach Martin w was, you know, blocking him, if I'm not mistaken. So we're talking about one of the better guards in the league. But you know, with Nacho. We know what we're going to get with Nacho. He's a run-stopping yeah. guy. He's loud and vocal, but he's we love Nacho, but he's never been known for his pass-rushing ability. Right. So I think that's where the Bucs are really going to have to rely on Hall. Will Golson obviously had a uh, career high in sacks last season, so he's right. very capable 
uh, of getting to the pass rusher. And, you know, you look at the Packers offensive line, if you want to compare like the Bucks and Packers offenses, I think a lot of the, a lot of the times it, it's very, it's, it's almost a wash with a lot of it. Like you look at the Bucks offensive line, the Packers offensive line, I would say for the most part, it's a wash, but the Bucks do have some of the advantage with like the star player, the best player in each unit, right. Tristan Wirfs. He's the best of the bunch if you're taking both offensive lines. Yeah. Um, the wide receiver position with Mike Evans suspended, it's a wash between the Bucks receivers and the Packers receivers. Now, if Julio plays, then you're talking about star player. Right. The Bucks have the advantage there. Brady Rogers, we don't really have to get into that. Two great yeah. all-time quarterbacks, and Bucks fans are going to pick the uh, pick Brady. Packers fans are going to pick, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I would go with Brady, but nonetheless. Right. And then really the only separation is the running back room. And with tight ends as well, I think I'd give the, the edge to Tunyon a yeah. little bit more than, you know, Cam Braid and kind of the tight end by committee they have going there. But running right. back, like Leonard Fournette, you could argue, is he better than Aaron Jones? You know, it's a close call. Right. But you talk about the, you know, Dylan and Jones versus – Lenny and Rashad White and maybe Keyshawn Vaughn. That's a clear yeah. win for the Packers. But I think for the most part, it's a wash like along all across the board, really, except for like the yeah. running back position. So right. I see for the the Bucks, uh, sorry, the Packers like offensive line, this is their biggest test because they haven't had to face someone like Shaq Barrett or Joe mm -hmm. Ryanchenka or blitzing Devin White. So we've talked a lot about how this is a big test for like the Bucks defense, but this is a huge test for the, the Packers offensive line. And it really if is. They can, if they can help Aaron Rodgers, because yeah. that was the key to beating Aaron Rodgers more specifically right. in that regular season game than in the playoffs. But they were yeah. able to get to Rodgers and it changed everything. You got Alan Lazard, who's only got three targets this year, right? You have Randall Cobb, who's, you know, shell of his former self, still yeah. somebody Aaron Rodgers will go to, but just not the dynamic playmaker that, that, uh, that he has been. And, and you, you know, Christian Watson, the, the Tampa kid, has not really made any type of impact at all. He's been a bit of a disappointment so far yeah. up there in Green Bay as a second-round pick. The guy that was drafted in the fourth round, Romeo Dobbs, uh, who I liked out of Nevada, has actually been a more dynamic playmaker for Rodgers so far. So very much like Tampa, their, their wide receiving position has kind of been a state of flux right now, just like the Buccaneers. They don't have Mike Evans, the Rodgers – and, and the Packers offense doesn't have Devontae Adams. The good news for the Bucs, Mike Evans is going to be back. <laughs> Devontae yeah. Adams, though, is gone. He's in Vegas. So it will be interesting to see. I think you're going to see kind of a mirror uh, effect between Rodgers and the, the Packers offense trying to run the ball and be balanced and the same thing from Tampa Bay. So it's really, again, which offense can perform best against these tough defenses on third down? And can the Buccaneer defense be more dynamic in terms of getting to Rodgers than the likes of Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith will be in getting to Tom Brady? And then, of course, the Packers, they rely on Razul Davis and Jair Alexander, yep. shutdown corners. And Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis have already proven out of the gate that there's some shutdown corners too. So I, I think that really this is a mirror uh, opposite uh, team here that, that can look in the mirror and, and see some real similarities between the Bucks' offense right now and the Packers' offense right now and the Packers' defense right now and Tampa Bay's offense right now. It should be one hell of a fun game to watch. I give the advantage to the Buccaneers. They just seem to have Rodgers and the Packers number. This is also the home opener, Matt. Should be a yeah. fun game Sunday at 425 at Raymond James Stadium. Yes, it will be.
Fans are going to be going wild. It's going to be a ton of fun, especially because they're undefeated going back home. You know, if they had split, if they had split their first two games, it still would have been like a raucous crowd. But the fact yeah. that they're they're undefeated, they're in the driver's seat in the NFC South, and a lot of expectations this year. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be a ton of excitement, and we're talking yeah. about two quarterbacks, Scott, that are up there in age. You know, yeah. Brady's getting close to retirement. Yeah, getting close to retirement. Uh, Rogers a little bit younger than Brady, but not by much. But um, you know, when you talk about older players and retirement, um, you know, you got to make sure what you're doing right with your money, and if you want to do things right, I think the best thing you could do is uh, partner with Immuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing a family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay area, let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. They can also help you from around the country too. So not just here in the state of Florida. Do what I did. Call them Uni Financial. Talk to David and Mark and the great folks over there. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 and schedule a risk-free, no-obligation consultation and get a second opinion in this wild, wacky financial world that we're living in right now with inflation. You want the folks at Immuni on your side to help navigate these bumpy waters. Visit them on the web at immuni.com. Well, Matt, as we're, we're winding down here, um, we appreciate everybody with the Super Chats. Uh, that was great today. We appreciate a lot of, of folks over there in Australia and, and a couple of first-time people that were able to, to donate to the show today. Make sure that you check out pewterreport.com. That's our website for the bu- the best Bucks coverage, breaking news. We have a ton of, of information and news uh, that, that happens on the team on a regular basis year-round. We even focus on free agency and the draft. Make sure you're following Pewter Report on social media, especially on YouTube. That's our Pewter Report TV channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're approaching 9,400 subscribers. So thank you, Pewter people. We love you guys. And make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pewter Report. And Matt, uh, I, I think this this was uh, probably the best episode we've ever done on Pewter Report's we, uh, podcast. We did it, Scott. We did we it. Did it. Yep. The greatest show of all time in Peter Report history. That's awesome. We appreciate everybody's comments and participation today. This wouldn't be possible without you, Peter people. We it genuinely love you. We love to see a lot of familiar faces and new faces here in the Peter Report podcast chat. And make sure that you are with us on Sunday, starting at two hours prior to kickoff. That is 2.30 Eastern time for the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show. That's live here on YouTube so you don't have to go to, to walk-ons to, to hear the show. You can watch it on the web. That's presented by Age Rejuvenation. Then right after that, Matt Matera and Paul Atwal for live in-game analysis with Peter Game Day at 425. It's where you want to be on Sundays. And, of course, we have our Peter Report post-game podcast after that. So 
When you want Buccaneer news, one place to turn, Pewter Report with the Pewter Report podcast. From Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow when Matt Matera and J.C. Allen uh, try to top this show and have the best Pewter Report podcast ever. And I think they're going to do it. So we'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.